Do you like new build? What's not to like about new build? Blank canvas, out of the wrapper, furniture package. Yeah, but what about the unfinished garden? What about those snaggings? What about those issues that the builder won't deal with? And why is the road not completed? Hi, I'm Jonathan Williams. You're listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Bricks and Mortar podcast, well, that's a podcast about property. If you're buying, selling, renting or investing in property, then in the next half an hour or so, we'll have something that floats your boat and lights your candle. Listen, what we're going to talk about this week is new build. I'm going to take you through the process. I'm going to talk to you about the lenders. You know, not all lenders are, are, are good on new build. And with the crash in 2007, 2008, a lot of lenders ended up getting blooded noses. And so what that's meant is that you're going to have to shell out a lot of money as far as a deposit is concerned or go down the route of help to buy. I'll explain all of that. And we'll go through and tell you a wee bit about the legals as well. So that's the new build. See what you think. Wanted to update you just to see how number one got on with the hockey trial. Uh, she was out there on Sunday doing the hockey trial. And, and those of you who have done any um, sort of sports trials or what have you, you know that the whole thing is an absolute lottery. And what was pleasing is that, you know, she acquitted herself really well. And I don't think that you ha- she had any, any regrets as, as such. You know, she did uh, as well as, as she could have hoped for. Interestingly, um, she's ending up, got through to the next stage, which is super. And we got an email through from um, the organiser saying that um, they were very pleased. It was obviously uh, just a standard letter. And what they had said was that we were very pleased with her and uh, that she had great coachability, great attitude, um, fitness and, and skills. And I'm thinking to myself, coachability and attitude. Well, I know all about attitude because she certainly gives us all sorts of attitude. But coachability, I mean, the amount of times that we've told her to clean our bedroom and it just falls on deaf ears. So it must be something to do with with the coaching and the quality of coaching that these people had that they were able to um, get through to her. Trials, it got me thinking about performing at trials and there's so many times where you're put on the spot this is both in sports life and also in your professional life and you're put and you you've got that moment where you have to perform and some of us perform and some of us don't but why is that why are there people there who are able to perform at their optimum at a particular point And I think it's down to two things. I think it's down to preparation and mindset. I think if you are fully prepared for the moment, both physically and also organised, then you're not going to be stressed out about performing. And all you're going to be doing is trying to demonstrate your abilities at that particular point. That's preparation. And mindset you need to make sure that your mind is just completely decluttered from all negative aspects that can potentially 
detrimentally affect your performance. And that's all about trying to train the mind and, and having a positive mindset. Carol Dweck goes on about the positive mindset. And, and if you're at all interested in, in that kind of thing, then her book, Carol Dweck, it's an absolute fantastic read. It really is so important to combine a positive mindset with preparation. Listen, I could go on and, and talk for the next half hour about that kind of thing, but you're not here to listen to me prattle on about positive mindset and preparation. We'll maybe do that in another time. What I'm going to talk about are new builds. So let's see where we're going with regards to a new build. On the face of it, it's dead easy. You put down your 250 quid and off you go. But you know what? As with anything to do with the law, it's never as straightforward as you think. It certainly won't have escaped you if you've ever been looking for a property, how easy it must seem when the market is absolutely rocking. How easy it must seem to just stick down your 250 quid and move into a new build property. The preponderance of new build in the last 10, 15 years is just amazing. There's not really any open space now that stays open space for very long without a Wimpy, a Stuart Mill and a persimmon board being erected. A lot of these brownfield sites are now being uh, sold off and the contamination dealt with and, and the builders moving in. They'll give you a cash back. What about a furniture package and those nice white goods? Absolutely fantastic. And don't forget the part exchange if you can't sell your own property. It's little wonder why new builds are so sought after as far as the purchaser is concerned in a market that is moving very quickly. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about a little bit of an overview, give you a little bit on the legals, the lenders and the process. So let's kick off by telling you a wee bit about the overview on the new build market. My view on, on new build is that you don't want to be buying a property where there are thousands upon thousands of plots because your problem is always going to be that if you're having to sell your property within a couple of years of buying and the developer is still on site and is still looking to sell brand new split out of the box houses, why is somebody going to come along and want to buy a second hand property? So what I would be saying to any of my clients if I'm advising them is pick a good builder, a strong one with, which has got NHBC capabilities, even start looking at some of the smaller builders because sometimes if you look at the big chains, you know, they're, they're subbing out a lot of the work and the quality really is not great. The, the amount of times that we've come across issues with regards to snagging in, in some of the big multiples um, is quite concerning. So look at maybe a, a, a small development because ultimately if you get a small development, then you are the builder certainly going to be in and out of the development pretty quickly. And if it's in a good location, then certainly new build as far as capital increases are concerned is probably something that you can expect. 
maybe less so in a development that's got hundreds upon hundreds of plots. So that's the, the overview. Try and get a great location, which is difficult now because all the, the great locations are either hidebound by greenbelt policy or um, have been already built on. So generally speaking, the new builds are being built on brownfield sites. Next thing I want to talk about are the legal side of things. You will already be aware if you listen to any of the other podcasts that when you're buying a property, your per your solicitor will put in an offer. It's not the case with regards to new build. What happens is that you'll pay your reservation fee of £100, £250. That will then give you a right to conclude missives. The offer comes from the builder. And so in essence, it's an offer to sell. You will find that the builder's missive, as it's called, which is the contract that they'll ask you to enter into, is very much loaded towards the builder. Okay, um, there are two reasons for that. The builder wants to make sure that if there are any problems, then they're not going to be the one whose arse is out in the wind. And secondly, what they want to do is they want to try and churn as many properties as quickly as possible. And if their solicitors are bound up in what they would seem to be or they would say to be trivial legal matters, then it's going to slow the whole process down for them as far as getting missives concluded. So it'll be an offer to sell. They'll force you pressurise you into signing the contract. In fact, some of the, the builders, in fact, will refuse to allow any amendment in connection with the contract. I mean, I just score that out. There are certain clauses which, if, if you're using a reasonable, a good quality solicitor, they will know what clauses. I'm not going to go into those clauses. Um, suffice to say that they're sort of quite technical but suffice also to say that the your, your solicitor will certainly know what clauses that they can tweak in order to protect yourself so that's the offer to sell you don't tend to get very much wiggle room you might also be encouraged by the lady on the sales desk at the builders to use one of their what I would suggest are pet solicitors. These are solicitors who will act on your behalf as the purchaser who are recommended by the builders. If you're on a budget, then, you know, it's maybe not the bad, not, not a bad shout uh, to go with one of these solicitors. What you'll tend to find with these solicitors is that one of the solicitors will have viewed and noted the title for the whole development. So if you've got a property uh, which is within a development of 500 properties, the solicitor will have looked at the what's called the estate title, made sure that everything's tickety-boo, and then it's just very much a process. And really, one transaction is very much similar to the next because... The, and what the solicitor has done is that the solicitor has examined the titles and so therefore they only really have to examine the title once. Once they've done that, then they can be assured that there's no problem with the titles and then what they're doing is they're just dealing with your individual uh, individual property. 
your individual transaction. So they've got the disposition to do and also the standard security. And what they should be able to do is make sure that the costs associated with that are a lot, well, they would say a lot less than if you went to um, your own solicitor because what your solicitor would have to do is they would have to then go through the process of noting the title whereas the other side solicitors would say that they've already noted the title and so therefore the savings of not having to note the title should really be passed on to you. They're very keen I think on the builders trying to keep everything very much tight because the whole process for them is very much selling, 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 get the property sold, get the reservations, get the missives done, get the mortgage sorted out. And that's why when you're going to see the builders, they will try and insist that you have to use their pet solicitors uh, to act on your behalf. Some will even go as far as to say that you will have to use their mortgage advisor, otherwise the deal's no longer on the table. Never entirely convinced that that's the case. And, you know, you should absolutely be allowed to instruct your own solicitor or indeed your own mortgage broker. So do watch out for that when you go into the, uh, the, the sales hut on the, on the reservation. You'll also tend to find that the solicitors firm who are in doing the legal work for purchasers and they're doing masses of, of these transactions, you'll tend to find that it will be a paralegal who will be dealing with the transaction and not necessarily a solicitor. If that's fine for you, then go for it. But if you're wanting a solicitor, then uh, my expectation is that you're going to have to instruct a firm of solicitors uh, to do that and, and get your own uh, solicitor to deal with that. So the actual process with regards to the legals, it's pretty straightforward. You've got a, a set of titles that is given to you by the builder solicitors, uh, notwithstanding that you've got the titles to make sure that the land that is being sold to you is actually owned by the, by the, by the builders. You'll also have to look at the planning permission just to make sure that they've got the planning permission in place to be able to, and the authority from the local authority to build the property. And you'll also have to look at the building warrant, which is confirmation from, again, the local authority that they have the right to build that type of property on the development. So you've got planning permission, you've got building warrants, and also you've got what's called a road bond with all of these estates the idea generally is that the roads within the estate will eventually be taken over for maintenance purposes by the local authority there is something called a road bond it's an insurance policy and really that protects all parties all owners of properties within the development so that if the builder goes bust then the insurance policy will kick in and what will happen is that the local authority will instruct another builder to construct and complete the roads using the insurance policy. So a road bond is absolutely vital. So that's planning permissions, building warrants and road bonds. It's a fairly straightforward process, I have to say, having done hundreds of these transactions over my time as a solicitor they're generally very straightforward 
Um, the main thing that you've got to concern yourself about is obviously the date of entry, but we'll talk about that when we talk about the process. Next, what I want to do is talk about the lenders. So we've dealt with the legals, we're on to the lenders. 2008, let's take you back to 2008. We had the crash. A lot of lenders got burnt with regards to investing in new build property because what was happening was that surveyors were valuing properties up, almost being forced to value properties up um, according to what the builders wanted. And when the property crash hit, it was very much seen that a lot of the surveyors had overvalued these properties with the result that when owners could not pay for the mortgages, what was happening was that the properties were being repossessed and the, the lenders lost money because they couldn't sell the properties because the, there were so many of the new builds were coming onto the market as, as repossessions. That, plus the fact that they were overpriced to begin with, meant that a lot of the lenders ended up getting bloody noses and that ended up leading to a change in policy. So much so that, generally speaking, you're struggling to get a 95% loan to value on a new build. Some lenders will do 90%. If you're buying a flat, then trying to get 90% for a new build flat is very, very difficult. There are some lenders out there who would look at that. Generally speaking, majority of your lenders are looking for anywhere between a 20% deposit uh, or 15% deposit and a 20% deposit. That's where the help to buy comes in. Help to buy, it says what it does on, on the tin or it does what it says on, on the tin. It allows you an ability to buy a property. I'll probably do a show on help to buy there are certain rules and regulations relating to help to buy and it's very, it is all to do with new build properties and what they're doing is that in essence the government are giving you a loan, a soft loan that has to be paid back in, in 19 years um, but it gives you the opportunity of being able to buy a property that you might not necessarily be able to afford you have to pay back the, the loan to the government and that is linked, the, the, the payment and how much you have to pay back is linked completely to what you sell the property for. So if you end up making a profit on the sale of your property, the amount that the government has given you, they also get part of that profit back. So those are the two things to watch out for when we're talking about lenders. Not all lenders, um, out there are keen on the new build market and certainly those that are keen on the new build market have got stipulations with regards to how much of a loan uh, that they are prepared to give. The loan to values as I say are between 80 and 85 percent but you can get assistance there with regards to the help to buy. Let's talk about process. The process is pretty straightforward, okay? Your, lend, your builders send the titles out to your solicitors, your solicitors then look at those. You then move forward like any other transaction. We've spoken earlier, haven't we, about the offer to sell. Once you've got the missives concluded, the main difference is that the date of entry 
is set to when habitation has been granted. Now, habitation is all about when the property has been passed as fit for habitation by the local authority. That's their nod that they're prepared to give a completion certificate and you ain't going to be getting the keys until the local authority agree that the property is fit for human habitation. What tends to happen is that there is then a date which will be agreed and that date, the date of entry, tends to be a period of time between the date of habitation being granted and seven days or 14 days. Most lenders will give you 10 working days in which to complete the transaction following on from habitation. That's absolutely fine when you're a first time buyer because it gives you a fair amount of flexibility. It can be a bit of a nightmare if you are having to sell a property in order to buy the new build property. The main problem is obviously that the people who are wanting to buy your property are wanting some security. They're wanting some um, some definite date of entry so that they know when they're going to be moving into the property. And unfortunately, you as a seller cannot sometimes offer that because you don't necessarily know when your property that you're buying is going to be completed. So your solicitor has to be a little bit um, clever as far as putting in place a clause which gives you the, the you and your uh, your purchaser of your property that you're selling um, some flexibility in moving forward. So date of entry, most important thing is to understand that that is bound by the habitation and not, uh, not fixed by any other means other than habitation. So you've got habitation. In addition to habitation, if the property is uh, being built by an NHBC builder, then the NHBC inspector has to come along and tick the box that he's happy that all of the requirements from the NHBC have been dealt with. So you've got your NHBC. It tends to happen is that NHBC and the local authority work together on this. And whilst there are two separate people who go out and do the inspections, they are, tend to be done on the same day. So once habitation has been granted, then what will happen is that the solicitor will then contact the lender to tell them that habitation has been granted, explain to the lender when the date of entry is going to be following on from habitation and the money is then from the lender is sent in good time to the solicitor so that the completion can take place. One of the other vagaries that you need to be aware of is how the completion actually takes place. We are still looking at a great number of times settlement by way of cheque. That is one of the things that doesn't or very rarely happens with buying a new build. They're very keen, the builders, on ensuring that you transfer the purchase price. So you need to make sure that the purchase price is transferred to the builder solicitors in order for completion to take place. That has its own problems because if you're buying and selling on the same day, you're probably then going to get a check in. But if you get a check in for the sale of your property, you then have to send a check out. 
So what you need to do as far as a, a, a seller is concerned is insist that you get the money telegraphically transferred to you so you in turn can telegraphically transfer the money out. The problem with that obviously is that you can't telegraphically transfer the money out until you get the money in. Are you following this? It can be a wee bit difficult to understand. The other thing that causes a huge issue is the timescales for the banks. The banks will say that you cannot transfer money out of your account after 3 p.m. So you have got this horrendous dance to do as a solicitor to try and ensure that your money comes in before 3 p.m. so that you can send it out before 3 p.m. And of course, the difficulties is that when you speak to the bankers and they say, well, listen, can you send us that money so that it's in our account before 3 p.m.? The banks turn around and say, well, no, of course we can't agree to that because ultimately it goes into the system and it might take five minutes to hit your account once we press the button or it might take all day. The amount of times that I have had situations where clients have been phoning me at half past four, quarter to five, asking, has the money come in from the sale so that we can then transfer the money out? It's just, it's one of the most stressful things that we ever get involved in, in is doing a buy and sell where we're buying on uh, we're buying a, a new build property. There are so many things that can potentially go wrong and ultimately if the money ends up in your account from the sale of your property late, there's very little that you can do other than speak to the, the builders and hope that in the circumstances they are prepared, notwithstanding that the contract says that you're going to settle the transaction by telegraphic transfer, you hope to goodness that they are going to see sense and will accept a check in settlement of the purchase price rather than uh, accepting telegraphic transfer. It is the last roll of the dice really for a solicitor and I have to say that the builders are pretty good. The ones that I've ever had to deal with um, on that particular issue where you're having to insist that they settle the transaction by cheque rather than telegraphic transfer, you know, a lot of them will play ball with you because ultimately all they want to ensure is that their their client um, is has got the money and more importantly that the purchaser who, if they don't get their keys, is just going to write off to or phone up the Evening Times or, or, or some other newspaper and, and bag the builders. That's the last thing that the builders want. So the builders, by and large, play ball as far as that's concerned. But I tell you what, it is and can be stressful, that last part where you're trying to get everything completed. I'm probably going to wrap things up there, talk a wee bit about snaggings. Um, we've covered there the legals, the lenders and the process. It, don't forget about the snaggings. The snaggings is something that is... You're buying a new build, okay? So you're going to be... If you've ever done any DIY, then you'll know what I mean here, that speaking to so many clients it's never always done the way that you would expect and there's always sort of bits and pieces because ultimately the builders are, are, are subbied the, the, the chippies, the subbied 
um, the painters and they're wanting to get on to the next property um, because that client's probably barking at them to get the, the transaction completed and what sometimes you'll find is that the actual finish is not really what you would have expected and certainly not what you would have expected having had a look at the show house which of course you're thinking that your property is going to end up looking like the show house you need to sort of smell the coffee as far as that's concerned it ain't going to look like the show house especially if you're buying a property at a, a builder's year end or at a half year end you know there's going to be so many of these properties are going to just be finished off quickly so there's no it's it's no wonder that um, builders fall foul of, of this issue with the snaggings snaggings is something that you can't make a retention for the builders just won't wear that um, which seems odd because if you've ever done an extension and you've got your own builder in that's the thing that you're relying upon is that you're going to take a retention and the builder only get that money if you're satisfied that the works have been carried out it don't work like that with um, multinational builders you've got to hope that um, the housing manager on the site will play ball and will agree uh, to carry out the snaggings so the most important thing to do is to make sure that you've got a list of snaggings don't rely upon the um, projects manager writing these things down write down these and intimate them to the builders generally speaking you will get a walkthrough before the date of entry make sure that you agree what is going to be done because rest assured once that builder has got your money and has banked that money and you've got the keys they're going to be on to the next plot and they're going to have to deal with snaggings on the next plot or deal with trying to get somebody into a property very quickly so once they've got your money then they're moving on so it's very important to agree a time frame as to when the snaggings are going to be dealt with and also what those snaggings are those are the two most important things everything's completed titles are, are registered and the last thing that your solicitor is going to do is he's going to send off your titles to your lenders He's going to send off the titles. He's got to send off the completion certificate. He should have kept the planning permission and a copy of the building warrant. And also he should be sending off the NHBC documentation. That's your 10 year guarantee that if anything goes tits up with regards to your property, then you, you may have a claim for a 10 year period against the uh, against the builder if, if something dramatic goes goes wrong. So that is really a walkthrough of what you can expect in a new build. I've been going on for about 25 minutes. Hopefully I've, I've covered everything. There's probably five things just in uh, summary here that you need to, to remember. First thing is, look at a small development. You're probably going to get better value for money and your capital will probably increase. So look at a small development. Second, the missives, they're simple, but they're loaded towards the builders. Third, the date of entry, well, that's a movable feast. You're never going to get, unless the property's already completed and got habitation, you're always going to be um, having to work around what the local authority are saying as far as the date of entry. Fourthly, what I would say is that it's going to be more costly. I didn't touch on this earlier, but you're going to have to pay for some of the searches which you would normally expect a seller 
is going to pay for so the actual process is going to be probably more expensive in buying the property watch out for those lenders as well make sure you've got your uh, your deposit all sorted out because as I say 85% 80% loan to value is what the lenders are generally looking at and finally snaggings make sure you get your list for your snaggings and also make sure that you get a time scale as to when you are going to get those snaggings done. So that's it. Get down to that office, pay your 250 quid, and you'll be moving in in three weeks. Okay, that's wrapped up another one. I'm certainly keen to identify particular types of transactions. I know we've done a, trans- a show on buy to let there's one about the new build we'll probably do one about auctions and maybe buying one from a company but listen if you are wanting me to do any or cover any particular topics in connection with the the house buying purchase then please do drop me a line usual channels are all available you can get me uh, on the twitter as jwilliams underscore bb look me up there facebook Again, onto the Facebook search and just type in the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Join the gang at the Bricks and Mortar podcast on Facebook. You will get access then to the blogs that I do on a weekly basis. Emails, of course, are still out there. Jonathan Williams at begleybrown.co.uk. That's Jonathan Williams at begleybrown.co.uk. And if you're into your LinkedIn, then just look me up on LinkedIn. As I say, we're going to wrap up there. I'm down at Scotston uh, waiting for number uh, two to come out of athletics. It's Tuesday, so we're, we're down at Scotston. Um, we cracked out. Uh, we're trying to get her out to do a park run. Park run, for those of you who know, is a 5K run. There's lots of them around Glasgow. The one I do is down at um, Kelvin Uh, Kelvin Grove Park and we crack around a 5k ended up doing one there on Saturday I think it got around in just over 21 minutes and it's amazing that I've not been doing too much running and it's amazing at the grand old age of 48 that you lose your fitness very very quickly Um, long gone are the days where uh, you know you can you can crack out a sub 20 on very minimal training that's just not not the way um, but always good just to have a, a crack out and so many kids down there running the park run so you know if you do have a, a family and you're wanting to get out of your bed get down to kelvin grove in fact get down to any of the park runs they're on between the one at kelvin grove i think starts on a saturday at 9 30 i think a lot of the ones down south in england are start at about nine o'clock and to get round and just bang out a 5k. I tell you, the, the energy that you feel for the rest of the day is uh, is just absolutely great. Listen, I'm going to sign off. I see that's number two just about to come into the car where I'm doing uh, tonight's show. So I'm going to wrap up there. Listen, let's catch up next time in the Bricks and Mortar podcast. That's a podcast about property and it takes a sideways look at the property game. <laughs>